Hello, I'm Gay, and I'm your host, Geraldo Rivera. You're tuned in to episode 86 of Geraldo's Edge Game, the premier Edge and Comcast podcast, Comcast. And in case you didn't know, this is a game. It's not just a name. This is the Edge Game. Okay, we're here to play. We're here to play, and it's a joke. Okay, it's for fun. It's games for children and adults. All ages can play this game, okay? People think it's an adult show, but it's not. Okay, it's for everyone. Anyone can play, including me. And you know me, I play the most. Now what's unfortunate is that I would like to scream today, but my new neighbors moved in and the walls are thin and I don't think they like to play games. They like to scream too. But I don't like playing screaming games. I like seeing who can be the most quiet. See? So that when I do scream, okay, I have an advantage. The few times I do scream, I can say, well, you guys scream all the time. And I know exactly what you say. Because I've been listening. Because I've been quiet. So I know exactly what's happening. On all sides of this room. And they can listen to me scream. Here. Once in a while. I don't think that's an unfair trade-off. <clears throat> With that said, <clears throat> um, I uh, was molested uh, throughout my childhood and my adolescence by multiple members uh, of my um, family, by multiple relatives, and I've only... kind of come to terms with it recently and I thought now would be a good time to talk about it because I've not mentioned it before
I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to point fingers. But these people know who they are. And other people might know who they are. And I don't think they'll listen to this. So I don't think they'll ever know. But I've not talked about it for a long time because when it was happening, I did try many times. to talk to people, to tell people. And unfortunately, the people that I talked to, the people that I told, either didn't believe me Or they told me to be quiet. They told me to shut up. Either in the sense that they didn't want me to tell anyone else. Or that they personally uh, didn't want to hear it anymore because it made them uncomfortable or sad or upset. And they chose to not accept it. Or they just told me that I made it up. Which is different from just not believing me. Some were just skeptical. But some just blatantly said, uh, that I was I was completely wrong and so I told the wrong people you know in retrospect I realized that um, the people that I tried to talk to were not the right people And it sucks, you know, you just pick the wrong ones, but it's hard to know who's right and who's wrong when you're young and you don't know who to trust. So you just kind of guess and check. And... After a couple guesses, um, and you're wrong, but you learn that that's just kind of the, that's the bar that was set. You kind of just accept it and kind of give up a little bit because that's just kind of how it is. Um... 
so um so yeah so I'm still obviously coming to terms with that if it's not evidenced by the fact that I've you know, I've talked about a lot of things and, and and shared a lot of real things. You know, 85 episodes of this. I've shared a lot of things. And I have not wanted to talk about that ever. And it's one of those things you think you'll take to the grave and it's something I've not even told uh, a therapist, unfortunately. It's it's one of those things, once I had <clears throat> good people in my life, once I had people I could trust uh, in my life, by that time, I had resigned myself to not ever talking about it again. And... So I haven't. And so I just kind of want to flesh it out a little bit because it's not something I've, um, I've physically, verbally have not expressed um, in such a long time and I don't know how to contextualize it still. And I do it, I've done it in my mind quietly and, you know, repressed it and, and, and put it away. But, um, talk about it now maybe I can only do it because I'm so uh, far removed from the people who who abuse me and uh, that I feel safe somehow or that it doesn't feel real like it doesn't feel like me it's not me I'm even talking about. It's It feels like a completely different person. And I, obviously I'm, <clears throat> I think I'm very embarrassed about it. I'm very ashamed of it. And as, as dumb as it is, um, As dumb as it is, I'm mostly 
ashamed of being a a stereotype in the sense that uh yeah of course uh the person the sex worker was uh, sexually abused as a child of course the person who um jerks off for money and is clearly mentally ill was molested you know i i it's nothing to <laughs> and i think anyone could have assumed you know i wasn't just a, a regular uh problem you know i didn't just have it's upsetting to to think i just had you know regular just mommy and and daddy issues i think having the i don't know i i don't know why i didn't pull the molestation card sooner i think i think it it would have made my life a lot easier if i'd been able to process that and then come out with that um a lot sooner but i don't think i was i could handle it there was um i was and uh i didn't i didn't have any i didn't have any uh stability i didn't have any i didn't have any skills i didn't have any uh experience to to feel safe even like thinking about it and it's not that i'm much better now i just anyway <clears throat> you get the point i regret not doing it sooner but i also understand why i couldn't and i'm not going to ignore the fact that that's it's a big part of why i am who i am and what i do it's um i've talked about being um you know being sexualized early on and i've talked about i think how filipinos and i'm not saying this is only my filipino side that has done this but i'm speaking more generally in the sense that uh, filipinos tend to be hypersexual um maybe not in actuality but it, uh like culturally maybe like i don't actually think they're fucking that much they just like talking about dicks and sex and i think they just like talking about it more than than they actually do it i think um 
And unfortunately, that also extends to how comfortable they are with um, discussing sex with children. And I, I, I'm not saying that's inherently wrong. I, I just think the way they do it sometimes is wrong. And, and that can be any culture can, can approach sex very wrong, and a lot do. But I'm just speaking purely on Filipinos. Um, it's it's not that the problem is that obviously there's a there's a way to be inappropriate sexually when discussing things with children or around children in a very serious way. You know that it's a very like it's very uh, bad to talk about sex, or it's very shameful. Or it's very, um, it's bad if you have sex. That's one extreme, you know, that's a very orthodox, you know, Catholic way of talking about sex. And, and it's weird because Filipinos are so culturally, you know, either they are Catholic or they've been heavily influ influenced by Catholicism. And, you usually associate that with some sense of uh, modesty. So it's very confusing when you're raised around people who are very kind of open about sex, but not in a way that's helpful. They're very, uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a funny joke. You know, you make light of, of sexuality. It's not taken as seriously and I'm not saying it should be but I think it's pushed to an extreme where any discussion of sex is is um is a joke and so much so that they will um joke about your genitalia for example and I know that's I like dick jokes as an adult certainly you know, dick jokes are funny as a kid. Dicks are funny. What's less funny about it is when your uncles regularly make a habit of asking how big your your titi is now. That's kind of weird. In retrospect, it's very weird. In the context of... Um, Again, not saying my uncles molested me, but, you know, in the context of being a molested child in general, uh, to be asked about your genitalia, to be asked about your development sexually as a child into adult, into adolescence. That is not a joke. That is actually something that happened very often. You go to the family function, you see people you haven't seen in a long time, they'll openly, drunkenly say, Boy, how big is your titi na? And I thought it was a funny joke, and I'd say, but this big, you know, something exaggerated. Because I knew that's what I would say, to get a, you get a laugh out of that. You're not supposed to say, like, 
You're not supposed to answer honestly. But it does get a child thinking about the size of their penis. Like, why? And now my neighbors are talking. They won't shut the fuck up. I'm not going to go through all the examples of how Filipinos are gross, but um, they'd ask me how big my dad's penis was as a joke. How big is your dad's titi? And I'd say it's small. And mine was huge and my dad's was tiny. It's funny. It's a funny bit. We play games that make fun of your your penis. You know, hot dogs and eggplants and you stick your hot dog in the the thumbtacks and try to get as many thumbtacks as you can and they play these games where it's it's like simulating sex, but it's just a fun uh uh um it's a fun team game where couples take turns humping each other to pop a balloon and there's nothing wrong with that if you're an adult there's nothing wrong with these things if you're you know a teenager even you understand sex as a concept and you know where you fit in sort of but you expose children to this and uh it's retarded, <laughs> quite frankly. And I used to think it was cool. I used to think it was cool that I got to see this, that um, I got to see these cool, fun things and learn about these things before all my friends. Because then I could be the kid that went to, to school and told everyone about condoms before we even had sex ed. You know, I could talk about what vaginas and titis and kikis were and peck pecks I was on the up and up and on my dad's side my dad's just uh, just a you know my dad's side of the family they're they're actually surprisingly more modest when it comes to discussing sex Italians but my dad unfortunately was the hypersexual one of the family he was the dirty crusty he was the dirty crusty uncle for their family but he was my dad and he let me Dirt. He wanted me to be a dirty friend. 
he wanted me to be a a, f- a fun young adult that he could take to see very adult movies, very sexual themes, the hypersexual themes. And again, I thought it was cool. You don't know. <laughs> it was cool. It it's cool if you don't know if I've been molested. It's cool if you know if you don't know that I'm developing a weird idea of sex. It's pretty cool otherwise. cool you go to Hooters every birthday when you're nine it's cool to condition your child to be into women to be interested in sex really early to make sure they're straight to make sure they come out really into boobs and vagina and pussy it's really important that you subconsciously your child knows that that's that's a priority right that's all that was just fun fun and games and subtle like homophobia I think a little bit fear of their child their only son being gay that's all. But, you know, luckily on the flip side, they never they never had any serious talks about sex with me. That's that's the that's the the balance is that sex is only ever something to be joked about and it's a funny thing and it's not a thing to be taken seriously in any way it's not a big deal it's something to laugh at and to ridicule never had a real a real talk about sex with either parent except for uh, you know don't don't have a girlfriend until college which wasn't explicitly sex but I think implied you know don't have sex Um, and I never approached them about any of it I've told the stories of my early sexual experiences and all that but A lot of it is, uh, I think a lot of it's rooted in shame. A lot of it's tainted by like some degree of shame and humiliation because I, it's, it's, it's funny. You know, I always, I always learned that sexual experiences are, are supposed to be funny. 
there's something to laugh at. You watch American Pie and it's just everything. It's just embarrassing and a goof and a gaff. You watch any of the early 2000s, like sex related, like teen romps, you know, and it's before you even masturbate, you know, before you even understand what jerking off is, you, you learn about all these things and it's always just funny. You watch a jackass and it's a bunch of dudes doing very homoerotic things, but it's funny shoving things up their ass it's just funny it's not it's not there's nothing serious about sex there's nothing serious about the human body there's nothing serious about your genitalia it's all just toys uncles will ask you about your sex life you know you go to family functions aunties and cousins will uh, dance with you in a in a in an ironically like sexy way they'll pretend to grind on you when you're 16 they'll throw ones at you because you're developing into a, a young handsome boy you had a glow up in your teens it turns out you were a hot you were a hot kid. You turned out to be a hot teen. And your relatives have no problem sexualizing you. And it feels good. It feels good to be seen as a as a hot sexual being because that's what you've learned is is valuable that's all you really learned is valuable is being hot and being appreciated for being hot but it's confusing because it's just a joke it's because you're being recognized as being hot in a, in a funny way but it's confusing because you do want to fuck. <laughs> because you want to fuck and you've also because you've been molested. And that was that was just a joke too. What was serious about that? Now again, it's not, aside from the, the the molestation, you know, there's no one specific moment or person or place or thing or time that was anyone's able to point a finger at, you know what I mean? No one's able to take a look at any, any of these occurrences or faux pas, some would say, these mistakes of the way they interacted with me or any of their other any of the other children who were developing at that time. 
who are still growing up in those environments. I don't. I don't know. Uh, no one can. No one can blame these people because it's only in retrospect the culmination of all these things uh, produces a very uh, fucked up person, a very confused person, a very desperate and um, dysfunctional person. being uh, sexualized by your own family. And I never looked at myself as that. I never I never thought of myself as a as like a victim. You know, I'm not. I am, but I haven't lived I haven't lived like a victim. And so I don't really see myself as one. But I think people would say it's important that you like acknowledge that you've been you've been hurt, you've been wronged, you've been all these things. I'm sure. Fine. Yeah, I've been abused. Yes, I've been wronged. I've been uh, my boundaries have been crossed. And you're supposed to say, well, that doesn't define who I am now. You know, moving forward, it's not, you know, you don't let it define you. I don't know. I'm very behind on how one is supposed to view abuse and, and things because, you know, I've, I've heard plenty of stories. I know plenty of people who have been abused. I know <laughs> how it works, I guess. And,. I've always kind of had a detachment from those stories because it's like that's stupid. Like that's not. It just never applied to me, you know. I was a different. I was a different case. Um. But it's easy for someone to say, well, that's why, that's why you're fucked up. But uh, there's a lot more to it. I think you can, you can turn out okay from being molested if you just have, uh, if you find the right people, if you find the right people and you get the help and uh, you start processing it really early, you contextualize it as you develop as a person as you grow as a person and uh that's that's the the only wrong part about what happened is that it wasn't dealt with properly after after the fact it was not addressed properly after it happened and it probably won't be still 
I think talking about it on your shitty podcast is not the way to to navigate it, but it does open uh, a door Obviously, you can see that I do these things because I've relinquished myself to being a a sexual object, a sexual being, and I, I come here to seek validation. I come here to seek the same uh, dynamic that I had uh, with my own family. And I'm filling the void that that family used to fill, not in the traditional loving and kind and caring and wholesome and warm sense. Not those aspects of family, but the non-traditional aspects of family, such as sexualization and humiliation and shame degradation, bullying, passive aggressiveness. I look for that in my online community and I find it. When I cam, when I go on the campsites, when I go on five campsites at the same time and you have multiple people telling you really fucked up things, it feels like home. When you have multiple people asking about how big your dick is, <laughs> feels just like my uncle's. You know? When you have people telling you their deepest, darkest secrets that to a stranger, to someone who's not prepared to to help you with those problems, you know? When you when when someone trauma dumps to me in a in a in a vaguely sexual environment in a vague, vaguely like incestuous context, it reminds me of my mom. <laughs> when someone overshares with me for no good reason. It, it is my mom. And when someone's overly raunchy, whenever, when someone's overly sexual, to ignore their themselves, to make up for some shortcoming on, on their own end, you can tell they're not successful. You can tell they're struggling. You can tell they're lonely. You can tell they're miserable. All I see is my dad.
when I do these things, when I act as, as this sexual persona, it is really to explore um, It's, it's just for me to, to understand how everything in my life has, has been tinged by sexuality, has been tainted by the lust and shame, and it's all I've ever known, and it's all that's ever motivated me and pushed me forward, and it sucks. And this isn't me like I don't, I don't think it's even me taking like back control or, or recontextualizing it. Maybe there is a little bit. Because I continue to laugh at it. And that's the problem is that all I've done is, is taken it to a new extreme of, of shaming and, and ridiculing sex and sex work and sexuality as a whole and I've not been serious about it because no one wants to be that's that's not what you look for <laughs> I, I don't think people coming here are looking for that um, but that's all I really want to I think that's all I really want to do now. I think I've spent too much, too much of my life like, like laughing. I've laughed off like too much, um, and it's effective. And that's the problem: is that that's that is a, a good way to to deal with your problems. You can you can get by probably your whole life by turning everything into a joke and, and laughing at it and making it a silly fun game. And people will like you more for it. <laughs> You'll be rewarded for it. Because a lot of people can't do it. It's a skill. And I'm proud of it. I am. There's part of me that wants to say, like, I'm going to stop joking about it. That I'm going to start taking all this seriously. And I don't think I will. It's fun to think about. It's fun to joke about. But I don't think I will.
I don't think there's a big, uh, there's no big takeaway. I always try to come to some kind of conclusion. Uh, I don't know. Kill your family. Destroy your family. Bomb your family. I don't know. Blow them up. You know, shoot them up. Whatever. Kill them. See, that's there. There's the joke. There's the joke that uh, helps me. The joke is that I, I envision killing my family. That's the joke. It's a joke, because obviously I wouldn't. That's that's why it's funny. That's why it's funny to me. Because obviously I wouldn't. I would never... I would never do that. Not for real. Not physically. Just metaphorically. Metaphorically, I've killed my family. In my mind, I've done it a million times. think it's I know there are some twisted people out there but I have to believe that it, it, it would be difficult for some people to enjoy watching me jerk off or do anything sexy knowing that it's really it's rooted in A long history of abuse that fuels it and I think that's something that people ignore when they go to like strip clubs or when they look at cam models who are basically like trafficked you know working in uh, those like cam mills in like Colombia and Brazil where they're just we're in these little weird cubicles that are set up to look like nice bedrooms, you know, but you know, there's like 20 other cam models in this little shack. Those are the kinds of things you have to ignore, you know, when you're horny. You have to ignore that a lot of these people are broken. Um, and will not get much better. 
and well not much they won't get much better until they stop or they quit or they escape whatever it is physically or mentally or whatever whatever is keeping them holding them hostage whatever is holding them back and uh, I'm not sure what's holding me back I'm not quite sure anymore Um, I don't think this I'll turn this into a a event about my abuse or event about my molestation I don't think I'll turn this into that I think I can find an alternative outlet for that but um, I just wanted a public record of it you know in case any of my uh, abusers ever run into it or someone tells them about it but I don't think anyone would know I think it'll be a big secret forever and that's fine most people's stories don't get shared anyway the majority it's not a it's not a priority so I'm not I, I'm not special in any way it just feels good for me to to say it because it hasn't been said So yeah, don't, um, if you've been abused, if you've been molested, uh, I don't, I don't want to hear your story. Unfortunately, I don't want to, uh, this isn't an invitation to trauma bond. Okay, please. I think people mistake my vulnerability for uh, as an as an invitation to connect and it's not okay I, I know it can be helpful for some people to understand that there are, that this happens to a lot of people and that a lot of people are hurt maybe you want to help people maybe it's not for you maybe it's you want to help me um, but I'm not asking for that at least not from you <laughs> you know uh, I don't want it from you but uh, it's appreciated nonetheless the people who send me messages about my mom and about anything about anything they relate to and I read them don't worry I, I read your messages I just I just want you to know that um, I have no real desire to 
to connect with you like that? Not right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe some other time, but uh, as of now, no. That is. Uh, Anyway, I'm, uh, I have a lot of things changing and trying to change. I don't know what refreshed me so much. It's not the new year, I hope. I hope it's not the new year, new me meme, but, uh, I don't know what inspired me to to come clean and own up to some of these things. I haven't done psychedelics in a long time. But I've done a lot of things that I think I've been meaning to do. I finally bought a pull-up bar that I've always wanted like a standalone pull-up tower exercise thing. I'm looking at it, and that makes me really happy. Something I've always wanted, and don't know why I never bought one. Um, I'm growing my own mushrooms, not the illegal kind. I'm growing my own legal mushrooms. Never realized how easy it was. For personal use, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to freeze the uh, wart on my middle finger, the small wart that doesn't grow, it just stays. I've tried to many times and uh, not been committed. I'm finally making progress on it. I finally bought this thing for Lux. Oh, she's in it. Um, it's a, it's a, a fish. It's a puffer fish, like a cat bed. She's sleeping right now, but it's like a puffer fish cat bed thing. It's really cute. I've just wanted one for a long time, and I just don't know why I've hesitated, but uh, I'm just buying things, I'm just buying things I want, I don't know. It's all temporary. This was a fun one for you. I don't really have much to say. I don't really. Pretty tired. Um, good luck and good night.
Thank you. Autistic children. Look at them. Poor them. Sure, here's a check for $10,000. Don't spend it all at once. You fucking animals. That is the only time I've been in a, in a house like this.